welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. church guys I am so excited and it is a true honor for me to be here today uh, we've been going through a series called multiplied disruption and today we get to talk about disrupting our doubts um, I really hope that at the end of this message um, that you would not only feel seen and cared for but also um, just get excited about what is happening and what is going to um, come into fruition in the next few months um, but yeah let's get started um, yeah Guys, getting married, cancer, new newborns, a pandemic, debt, winning the lottery, and death. What do these things have in common? Well, change. Every time change occurs, so does loss. And sometimes change happens without us anticipating it or we try to anticipate change, but it's never what we expected. So how do we ensure that change and loss does not derail us? How do we become people when faced with extreme changes, walk through them and not implode? We acknowledge our losses, we grieve, and we allow ourselves to be human. The book of Haggai does this amazing job at showing us that God acknowledges our losses without focusing on our losses, especially in the context of change. Be strong, the Lord says. This exhortation is twofold. It recognizes our pain and our losses, and at the same time, it strengthens us by reminding us that God speaks tenderly to us and that he is the one that can be trusted. So today, we are going to do these two things. We're going to acknowledge our pain and losses, and we're going to strengthen us by depending on the truth and the reality of who God is. Last year, when the pandemic hit around this time, um, we experienced deep levels of losses that were hard to fully express as a family. There was pain um, and so much that was going on that wasn't being expressed, but a lot of feelings around it. Um, it was like we were trying to manage all the pieces and what was going on, but never um, took the chance to explicitly communicate with each other uh, how we were feeling, the losses we were experiencing, and our needs. We're trying to continue the old ways, even though the changes could not support those old ways. The anxiety of the new ways filled my heart and it, I struggled to move forward. Every time change came, social distancing, mandatory masks, social bubbles, lockdowns, the more changes came, the more anxiety I felt, the more doubt increased. I doubted that the new way was truly better than the old way. Maybe you felt this too. Maybe you're still feeling it now. I've learned that emotions are signals. They usually are there to help us pay attention to something. 
And the danger, however, is when we allow our emotions to dictate our lives. It is crucial then to listen. It's part of becoming a strong, emotionally healthy individual is to listen to ourselves. And what we do with this information and what our emotions are pointing us to is often an indicator of someone who is maturing or not. So for us to dwell in the pain of our losses and focus on what we do not have anymore limits us from being able to thrive and, and move forward. At the same time, for us to completely ignore the pain of our losses and focus on escaping our pain as quick as possible limits us from being able to fully experience transformation in all of its full potential. One shuts us down and the other is ingenuine. The key here is wisdom. Ethan, my five-year-old son, always says, wisdom is making good choices with all the information and knowledge given to you. I'm pretty sure that's VeggieTales, probably Larry. Um, but so the question is, what is a good choice here? My emotions are telling me that I'm afraid, that I'm doubtful, that I'm tired, and I'm lonely. What do I do with this? How do I listen to my emotions during change but not live in them? Well, in this passage, God walks his people through their emotions in a time of change. It says, In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it nothing to your, in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. You see, the Israelites had been in exile for years and now they were finally returning to the land and they get to rebuild their lives and God is speaking tenderly to his people. He's opening their eyes to see and to reflect honestly. You can reframe these questions for our time like this. Do you remember the glory of God in the church? How do you see the church now? Does it look different? This difference that you see, this change, is it acceptable? Should we be satisfied? Are we operating as it was intended to be? See, God doesn't address individuals in little silos. The Lord uses Haggai to speak to the leaders of the day and to his people. This is a matter that requires unity. This is a question and a personal, uh, this is a question and a personal responsibility of every single image bearer 
of the collective community. Sometimes other people ruin things and tear things down and we point fingers and say, that's them, not me. But the responsibility of the church of operating and looking like Jesus falls on all of us. This is not just a call for pastors and leaders and people who've been Christians for 20 years. This is a call for all followers of Jesus. We are all to love radically. So be strong, he says, which again is twofold. It acknowledges pain and loss and strengthens us by depending on the truth of who God is. And what's the truth? I'm with you. But right before that, he comes beside us and cares for us and exhorts us to work. We will come back to that later. Then he continues to speak tenderly and recalls their memory to open their eyes to the character of God. God does this amazing thing where he shows exactly who he is just in this one sentence. He shows that he's faithful by reminding him of the covenant, which is this ongoing promise that's relational and personal. He shows that he's pursuing us in that he was the one who made that initiative, that he was the one who made that covenant with you. He shows that he's pastoral and that he carried them through pain in the past and will continue to do so. And he also shows that he is just by removing them from oppression. And then he reminds them once again that his spirit remains in their midst. He feels led to repeat twice that his presence is with them. And because of that, they don't need to be afraid and can be strong. But like I said before, even in the midst of care from the Lord, he exhorts us to work. It is not enough for us to reflect honestly and acknowledge when things are in ruins and also do nothing. We need to also be ready to work. We need to commit to rebuilding and shaping things so that the church exists to multiply the kingdom of heaven. Why? Why does he do this? Why does he put us to work? Is it because God needs little minions to control us? No. If you look at Genesis 1.28, it shows us that God, from the very beginning, this is Genesis 1, guys, the beginning, he shows us that he invited us. He invited us to partner with him, to come alongside him in building his kingdom. Genesis 1.28 says, And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. So joining on the work is part of our healing process. It's part of the tenderness of God. Kingdom work gives us life. It brings us joy and it fills us. It is abundant life. It is part of God's care and attention to us. Work for I am with you. Then it says, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens 
and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. I don't know about you, but shaking sounds super, super scary. It's really scary. But I want to show you guys this morning that shaking things up when you're on God's side is a good thing. Often we try to make sense of things based on what we see in front of us. We make final conclusions and form thoughts about what little we know. It's like trying to put a puzzle together without looking at the picture. You see the pieces, the shapes, the colors, and you try your very best to put it together, thinking you, you have an idea of what it might look like. And so you just kind of force the pieces together um, just because it needs to get done. And it looks weird. This is what being a Christian without understanding the kingdom of heaven is like. You know you need to do the things. You got to pray, read scripture, go to church, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, hey, I'm doing the Christian things. This is the Christian thing to do. I'm a Christian. But if our hearts are not in love with Jesus, if we are not entirely living for the kingdom of God and the mission of God, we start to fit pieces according to what we think is the final picture and we get a weird image and our Christian walk starts to look more like something for ourselves and not for Jesus. So when the Lord decides to shake he decides to shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. What remains is himself, a kingdom of love. It keeps going and we need to move with it, guys. We need to be for Jesus and the eternal. We need to be for the things that matter. There is no room for timidity in a life lived for Jesus. I mean, why would you want to hold that back? Why would we want to hold back this love? All the things that you're afraid to lose, the beautiful things that we love, intimacy, authentic community, laughter, joy, radical hospitality, inviting the broken into a space of no judgment, but pure grace, bringing people with us. Guys, these are the things that will be multiplied. We're making room so that the things you love will multiply. It'll expand. What's changing is the format, not because the format was bad, but because the format did not allow for multiplication. We were being held back. The good news is that Jesus is asking us to multiply and increase disruptions alongside him. When Jesus entered the scene, there was so much tension and doubt around him. Everyone was like, not really sure about how they felt. And even after years of people following him, people who were around him all the time, they were still looking for a different kind of kingdom than the one that Jesus brought. So being confused and distracted is not new. But Jesus came to disrupt all those distractions to bring out what was there all along, the kingdom of heaven, the mission of God. And Jesus challenged anything that would limit invitation, anything that would limit or exclude people. And because of that, people doubted his ways. They were more interested in what was benefiting themselves at the time. And Jesus exposed that. 
Are we more interested in what is benefiting ourselves than what's really benefiting all people? And is something that is only benefiting a small group of people really beneficial at all? We need to lay down all things that limit us and be willing to create systems and spaces for the eternal to thrive. The system serves the eternal, not the other way around. I know, I know, I know we're afraid. I know we're unsure and change is so exhausting. It's been a year of just so much change and it's exhausting if we focus on what we're losing and not on what we're gaining. I've been able to welcome so much change in my life, so much transformation, because every time something old dies, God multiplies the holy, the eternal, and the good. He multiplies that. So I'm not actually losing the good, it's growing. And am I willing to let go of the old in order to see what is good multiply and expand? Yeah, I am. So one thing remains, the kingdom of heaven. And the question is, are we operating in the optimal? Is the way things are really the ultimate best way for the kingdom of heaven to expand? When systems and methods limit love, are we to shortcut love in order to fit our methods? Or are we gonna find ways to improve the methods to make way for the full capacity and full potential of love? Guys, the thing is, we are changing things so that we can multiply the things that we love um, to those who are missing it. There's so many people who just don't know love. They don't know Jesus. They don't know genuine, authentic community. And because we are in our little silos and asking people to come to them, it's uncomfortable. Um, and so we've decided to us get uncomfortable. We will get uncomfortable so that they can experience love. It's self-sacrifice, it's sacrificing our comfort so that Jesus can be multiplied, so that the presence of God could be multiplied, not just in our community, but in the city and the world. And so we have to be willing to be radically hospitable. We have to be willing to be radically loving. And we just gotta keep going because it's not about ourselves, it's about Jesus. The silver is mine, the gold is mine declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. I have found that in my life, I have been given the opportunity to multiply eternity and the kingdom of heaven in all spaces of my life. I have the privilege of bearing Christ's image and I get to love people without expecting anything in return. Guys, I don't know about Enneagrams. I don't know what your Enneagram is, but I'm an Enneagram too. And like love is like my jam. It's like my jam. And it, I heard a song recently and there was a line. It said, like, I feel privileged to love people. And at first I was like, is that not normal? Like, do people not feel that way? Which apparently is not... <laughs> 
like not all the people feel that way, but guys, that's biblical. It's a privilege to love people. It's, it's a joy. Like I get to love someone until they see Jesus and I will keep on loving them. This is the silver and the gold guys. This is the latter glory. It is true privilege and honor to love like Jesus to move into people's lives, hear their hearts, learn about who they are. And the more we press into the kingdom of heaven and in every space and time where God rules and reigns, he will give us peace. A peace that calms the anxieties and the doubts. And I'm not talking about that serenity stuff. I mean, a reconciled peace, a peace that comes with knowing your strength and your confidence is in God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. It's a peace that comes to tension between opposing worldviews because the motive is not to win. The motive is love. So guys, may the Lord bless us with his peace and his glory as we choose to lay down our comfort zones in order to radically love and go to the world, bringing the presence of God and his affections to every single space, every person, every place we go, we bring Jesus. They don't have to come to us. We will go to them. Let's pray. God, we just thank you, Lord, so much um, that you are in us that you are here right now and that you are calling us, God, to look like you, to be like you, to love like you. And that is a privilege and a joy. And we get to, we get to show people who you really are. And so God, I pray for Trinity Life Church, that love would be our focus, that your kingdom would be our focus, that we would be willing to lay down everything for your glory so that you would be exalted. Because every breath that we take is a privilege. Every moment I breathe is grace extended by you. So God, we thank you for that. And we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.